There was a man years ago, I should say a teenager years ago, who was taken into captivity. His name was Daniel. He received training for a number of years so that he could minister in the king's court, that is King Nebuchadnezzar's court. We know that his three friends were asked to bow down to an image and they chose not to. We know that Daniel later in life chose to continue to pray to his God in spite of being threatened with being thrown into the lion's den. And according to what we know from scripture, he would have finished well. He would have served under a pagan king, kings for many years. As you read the book of Daniel, he apparently was a teenager, a young man, a middle-aged man, and an older man who learned to think well. What is one of the greatest items that a husband, a father, a grandfather can leave for his or her children or grandchildren? I'm inclined to say, think well. A father, a grandfather coming to the end of life and being able to say to his children and to his grandchildren, to his wife, I have modeled a life of thinking well. Thinking biblically, knowing that that involves ups and downs and struggles along the way. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is written to a local church, and many times we read Scripture and we think about ourselves and how Scripture applies to us individually. But don't stop with that. Think about how Scripture applies to a body of believers. Paul deals with unity in the book of Philippians. He deals with joy and rejoicing in the book of Philippians. He talks about knowing and experiencing Christ. And last week we looked at verses 4 through 7 of rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near and then choose not to be anxious. But we will read verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Again, Paul is writing to a local church, a body of believers, and encouraging them how to think. So if you're a father or a grandfather this morning, I'll try to make some applications to you but I think very, very applicable to any one of us as we live each day. Finally, seems to be one of the final things he addresses with in the letter he is writing. Brothers, whatever is true. The idea of truth in this passage ties in with reality, agreement with actual fact. Ties in with exactness or preciseness. 
Suppose I said to you, round wheels make for a smooth ride. And I said, that's true. You'd say, yeah, that meets with reality. You know, you try a square wheel and there are some struggles. Fake news. Fake news, it's not reality. It's not agreeing with facts. A father sharing with his children concerning love and marriage, and a father says to his children, love is not blind. Your mother and I have known for many years the strengths and the weaknesses of one another, but we choose to continue to love one another. Son, daughter, that's truth. Think it. Such real to life. Love is not blind. Love sees the strengths and the struggles, the victories and the weaknesses, and continues to give. Think on that which is true. Think well. He says, whatever is noble, whatever is vulnerable, something you can stand in awe of, what is honorable, what is dignified, what is majestic. Think noble thoughts. I'm sure many of you have heard Johnny Erickson Tata, who has been in a wheelchair and paralyzed for, I think it's almost 50 years now. And listen to her talk about going through trials and struggles and so on. To me, that's noble. Paralyzed for almost 50 years, but loving God. And sharing her struggles along the way. And I think it's in one of her first books. She's laying there in, forget what the frame is called, where they can turn you. Strike her frame. And she's laying there looking at the floor. And a friend comes. And a friend says, or she says to her friend, will you help me take my own life? She shares that struggle. But yet, she shares today of God's grace along the way. That's a noble thought. Someone who's been through trials and struggles. It's honorable, it's dignified, it's majestic. It's something you can talk about. If you read what we're told, the nearest star to our earth is light years away. So take 160, 86,000 miles per second, multiply times 60 to get light travels in a minute, times 60 an hour, 24 hours a day, or 24 hours in a day to see how far it goes in a day, and then multiply by 365. You get an astronomical figure. Isn't it majestic to talk about God creating the universe and the majesty of his creation? A father is talking to his daughter and telling her about being a godly woman. And says, let me share an example of a godly woman. One that you know, one that I know. She had strengths. She had struggles. She was driven time and time again to depend upon the Lord. And she finished her race well. 
I can mention a number of ladies here, but I will mention one that has gone to be with the Lord a number of years ago, Sue Martin. A father talking about Sue's life and sharing with a daughter. Noble thoughts. Paul says, whatever things are right, just or righteous, fit or proper, fair and equitable dealing, or correct in light of a standard that is God's word. Think about those things that are right. I'll give a contrast, the opposite of what may be right. A person is grieving deeply. A family member has just passed away. And someone says, I'm here to comfort you. But I want to tell you about the $10 I lost last week. That just doesn't seem right. Right, that which is fitting, that which is proper, that which is correct. Think about Joseph in the Bible, who had been sold into slavery by his brothers, who had served in Potiphar's house, lied to by Mrs. about by Mrs. Potiphar, ended up in prison, spent some time in prison, interpreted two dreams while in prison, and the one man whom he interpreted a dream for was forgot him for a number of years, and then ultimately became second in command in Egypt. And we know that his brothers, his dad and family, ended up coming to live in Egypt. But his father Jacob died. And after his father Jacob died, his brothers were scared. And Joseph said, you intended for evil, but God intended what you did for good. Joseph thought right. Another example of right, that which is fitting or proper. My father saying to my older brother, And to my younger brother, when they would bring home a C, son, good job. But if I brought home a C, he would say, Dan, how about an A? Dad recognized that his four boys were gifted differently. My brother, oldest brother, my younger brother, sharp as a tack in terms of business and finances and so on but really didn't have school. They made it through. They didn't enjoy it at all. But Bob and I enjoyed it. And we enjoyed study and so on. What was dad doing? He was doing that which was right, according to our personalities. Think well. Paul says, whatever is pure, whatever is chaste or modest or innocent or blameless, He seems to be talking about moral purity here, dealing with the desires, the motives, the thoughts, which result in words and actions. But he says whatever is pure. A couple has been married for 50 or 60 years, and you're talking to them, and they say, let us tell you about sex. 
<clears throat> pure, been faithful to one another for 50 plus years. They know what they're talking about. Pure in terms of physical appearance. Or a father discussing with his children what purity looks like in dating and trying to be very specific and detailed in how to be pure, how to be modest in dating. Men, think well. Whatever things are lovely, that is friendly, acceptable, attractive, harmony or peaceable. Whatever things are lovely. I'm asking, I'm not answering. Are all movies lovely? Are all TV programs lovely? Is all news lovely? As you think about creation, is that lovely and attractive? A father is sharing with his son or daughter how to pick friends as a teen. Be concerned about the character of your friends. Be concerned about the words that they use, who they hang with, their study habits, how they respect school authority, how they respect parents, how they respect civil authority. Be lovely. Paul says, whatever things are lovely. Then he says, whatever things are admirable, commendable, reputable, or of good report, or worth talking about. If you listen to the news, maybe you listen to some talk radio, we hear a lot about politicians and their lives and how they live or don't live. I'm posing it as a question. I'm not going to necessarily answer. Is it really admirable? Is it really worth talking about? You'll have to come to that conclusion. Years ago, there was a friend and I, when we were in college together in Chattanooga, we'd get together sometimes, and we would sit and talk about challenge or God and who he was. And we would talk about his character and nature and attributes. And we would get done, we would shake our heads, and I'd say, Dennis, I can't begin to comprehend God. But it's been good. I stretched my mind a little. I trust you stretched yours a little. What were we doing? We were talking about admirable things. It's admirable for a father to share with his children, to share with his grandchildren what to do when they sin, when they fail. Because that's part of life. No father, no grandfather goes through life without sin and failure. And he says to his Again, children or grandchildren, when you sin, when you fail, admit it, confess it, seek forgiveness, and pick up and go on. That's admirable. Think well. Paul goes on and he says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, excellent is of good quality, uprightness, or virtue, or motivate to live well. Isn't it worth to think about a student 
who during their 13 years of school, kindergarten through grade 12, who has applied themselves, who has studied hard, who has responded well to teachers, for that to be in one's mind, to think about it. Perhaps on the flip side, something that would not be excellent is just news that fills us and tells us everything that is wrong. Maybe we don't need to think a lot about most news because it is not excellent. About a father sharing with his son concerning the good qualities in a man that both of them know. He says, son, you want to get to know this man. Son, you want to build these qualities into your life. Because it will help you to think well. Paul says, whatever is praiseworthy. <clears throat> praiseworthy involves applause. It's a ground of commendation. It's worth commending to others. You read a biography of Hudson Taylor, who served in China for many years. You may have heard the term honest Abe. Read about Abe Lincoln, our president. No praiseworthy worth talking about. A father sharing with his son how men have impacted him. To be more specific, Alan sharing with Hayden and Colin and saying, there's some men in my life that have impacted me deeply. A ray, a bud as example. An ardent. See, praiseworthy, applause, Ground of condemnation worth commending to others. Think well. Paul says, think on these things. To reason, to ponder, to calculate, which requires discipline moment by moment. Think, calculate, reason, ponder. Guys, I'm not limiting it to guys. Stop and think about what you think about. Think about what you think about. Do you ever go on in life for an hour or two and then you stop and think about what you were thinking about? What's Paul saying? Think, reason, ponder, calculate. But he says, here's what you're to think on. Those things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. We won't turn to any of these passages, but in Psalm 1, blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his law is in the law of the Lord, or his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 119 Strong on, again, the law of the Lord and thinking well. Romans 12 and verse 2 tells us 
to renew our minds, to be transformed through renewing our minds. Colossians 1, or 3, 1 through 4, tells us to set our mind on things above. First Peter 1, 13 through 16, talks about preparing one's mind for action. Think well. Paul goes on then in verse 9, whatever you've learned from me or learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice. Whatever you have learned, received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice. That's saying a mouthful. Son, daughter, what you have learned from me or received from me or heard from me or seen in me, practice it. (coughs) Heavy-duty statement. And Paul is not talking about sinless perfection. We say Paul must have never failed. He must have been a super saint. Paul went through ups and downs, struggles and failures and sins and victories like any other man. Part of a husband, part of a father, being able to say to his family, what you have learned, received, heard, or seen in me, put into practice, involves how you respond to sins and how you respond to failures, how you respond to your strengths and weaknesses, how you respond to your victories and your gifts. All of that is life. How you respond to authority. How you respond to the trials in life, Paul says. Put into practice. I love the end of verse 9. And the God of peace will be with you. Peace, tranquility, unity, not divided, which we touched on last week, will be with you. Will be with you. Think well. Think well, a couple applications, so that we can be holy, godly, from the inside out. That's why Paul could say, what you've learned or received or heard or seen in me, put into practice. He was thinking well. And then that affected his being, which in turn affected his action. Guard how you think. It determines your character. Proverbs 4 and verse 23, Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart. For it is a wellspring of life. Recently, I was talking to someone. and We were talking about a very specific situation and my response to a situation in life. And I said to the person I was talking to, please, please ask me at least five questions. And they dealt primarily with my thinking. 
Ask me these five questions because I want to think well. Because how I think, how you think, is how we live. Thinking is one coin, but two sides. What we think determines what we feed our minds. What we feed our minds deeply impacts our thinking. It's just life. So be careful what you feed your mind because it deeply impacts you. I'm not sure why certain things hang in my mind, but years ago when I was 18, I remember hearing something came through the media, and I'm not praising or knocking the media. It just came through the media, and I'm not saying good or bad or anything else. To this day, that will come to my mind quite often, I think, why? It just reminds me that what I feed my mind influences me. What you feed your mind as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a mother, as a child, deeply influences us. Think well. Thinking forms lifestyles. Lifestyles determine character. Character deeply impacts the destiny of your family. Joseph, whom I mentioned earlier, must have thought well for him to say to his brothers what God intended for, or what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Years he could have be, for years he could have become bitter and angry, but he thought well. He finished well in the midst of some very, very difficult circumstances in life. I'm going to close with a reading to challenge us to think about our Heavenly Father and to think about earthly fathers. The church's pastor slowly stood up, walked over to the pulpit, and before he gave his sermon for the evening, he briefly introduced a guest minister who was in the service that evening. In the introduction, the pastor told the congregation that the guest minister was one of his dearest childhood friends, and that he wanted him to have a few moments to greet the church and to share whatever. He thought it would be appropriate for the service, and with that, an elderly man stepped up to the pulpit and began to speak. A father, his son, and a friend of his son were sailing off the Pacific coast, he began, when a fast-approaching storm blocked any attempt to get back to the shore. The waves were so high that even though the father was an experienced sailor, he could not keep the boat upright, and the three were swept into the ocean as the boat capsized. The old man hesitated for a moment, making eye contact with two teenagers who were, for the first time since the service began, looking somewhat interested in his story. The aged minister continued with his story. 
Grabbing a rescue line, the father had to make the most excruciating decision of his life. To which boy would he throw the other end of the lifeline? He had only seconds to make the decision. The father knew that his son was a Christian, and he also knew that the son's friend was not. The agony of his decision could not be matched by the torrent of waves. As the father yelled out, I love you, son. They threw out the lifeline to his son's friend. By the time the father had pulled the friend back to the capsized boat, his son had disappeared beneath the raging swells into the black of night. By this time, the two teenagers were setting up straight in the pew, anxiously awaiting for the next words to come out of the old minister's mouth. The father, he continued, knew his son would step into eternity with Jesus, and he could not bear the thought of his son's friend stepping into an eternity without Jesus. Therefore, he sacrificed his son to save his son's friend. How great is the love of God that he should do the same for us, Our Heavenly Father sacrificed His only begotten Son that we could be saved. I urge you to accept His lifeline. He is throwing it out to you in this service. With that, the old man turned and sat back down in his chair as silence fills the room. The pastor again walked slowly to the pulpit and delivered a brief sermon with an invitation at the end. However, no one responded to the appeal. With that, in minutes after the service ended, the two teenagers were at the old man's side. That was a nice story, politely stated one of them. But I don't think it was very realistic for a father to give up his only son's life in hopes that the other boy would become a Christian. Well, you've gotten a point there, the old man replied. Glancing down at his worn Bible, big smile broadened his narrow face. He once again looked up at the boys and said, It sure isn't very strange, is it? But I'm standing here to tell you that the story gives me a glimpse of what it might have been like for God to give up his son for me. You see, I was that father, and your pastor is my son's friend. For God to be a father was costly. For Christ to be a son was costly. In light of the sacrifice of Christ, the love of God, Paul says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Think well. Think well. Reflect on the Father's love, who God is as a Father. And if you haven't come to faith in Christ, why not today? If you have come to faith in Christ, think well. Let's pray together. Father,
Thank you for giving us the written word and the living word, Christ. I pray that we as fathers, grandfathers represented here this morning would grasp your love and your grace, your character, your majesty, and be choosing day by day to renew our minds. Choosing to think well. And we know that for any man, thinking well involves deep struggle. There's ups and downs and there's temptations. There's victories. There's failures. But we thank you that you have begun a good work in us and you continue that. As you told the believers in Philippi. We desire too that children... Mothers, wives would also choose to think well. May fathers have wisdom to teach and train their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And just what that looks like at whatever age they may be, whether they be at home or adult children or seeking to encourage and minister to grandchildren. Encourage our fathers, bless them, and may they have a wonderful day today because we're confident you've begun a work in us and you continue it. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.